All right, Snack Attack crew, assemble. Feeling that mid-afternoon slump? Need a protein boost that doesn't involve boring protein bars? Well, let me introduce y'all to my new favorite obsession, wonderful pistachios. Y'all, these little green guys aren't just your average nut. They're protein powerhouses, packing a whopping six grams per ounce. That's over 10% of your daily value. And here's a confession. I used to be a cracker. You know, the kind of girl who enjoys the satisfying pop of opening each one. But let's be honest, sometimes convenience is king. And that's where their no-shell options comes in perfect for on-the-go snacking. Plus, they come in flavors like chili roasted and sea salt and vinegar. So there's something for everyone, even the picky gals. But here's the kicker. Wonderful pistachios are a complete protein, meaning they have all nine essential amino acids your body needs. So next time you're feeling sluggish, ditch the sugary treats and grab a handful of these green gems. I promise y'all they will keep you fueled and feeling your best, whether you're conquering carpool duties or crushing deadlines. And seriously, these are my go-to snack. I keep a bag in my purse. I keep one at the office. I even stash a few on the side of my bed for those late night cravings. This year, I want you to treat yourself to something delicious and good for you. So head over to wonderfulpistachios.com and explore their amazing flavors and sizes. Trust me, your taste buds and your body will thank you. If you're anything like me, you are probably tired of spending all your money on takeout or you're over all the stress that comes with meal planning. Listen, Factor Meals is here to save the day. I mean, imagine this. Delicious, chef-crafted meals delivered right to your door, ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Y'all, no more grocery shopping, no more shopping, no more dishes. Just restaurant-quality goodness made with fresh, high-quality ingredients. I love Factor. Factor offers over 35 different options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and so much more. Whatever your diet is, they have you covered. Plus, they have over 55 delicious add-ons like breakfast smoothies and protein bars to keep you fueled all day long. And the meals are good. Every meal that I've had has been so good. And let's talk numbers. Factor is actually less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved. So you know you're getting the good stuff. You can choose as many or as few meals as you need from 6 to 18 per week. And you can even pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your busy schedule. I prefer to use Factor for my lunch meals because that is the time of the day where I'm super busy. So I can just grab something out of the fridge and not have to worry about it. So why don't you diss the stress and step into your bravado with Factor Meals. They're perfect for the boss babe on the go, the queen who values her time, and the woman who deserves delicious, healthy food without the hassle. So are you ready to reclaim your kitchen throne? Head to factormeals.com bravado50 and use code bravado50 to get 50% off. That's right, you heard me. I said 50% off. So go to factormills.com slash bravado50 and use code bravado50. Do not miss out, sis. This is Germany. And this is Brittany. And this is the Black Girl Bravado Podcast. A motivating and encouraging podcast where we focus on building community amongst colorful women alike. Join us weekly as we sit down and have candid conversations on various topics and issues surrounding self-care, self-love, health and wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and much more. And trust. If we don't have the answers, we'll call on our expert homegirls who do. Our goal is to create a safe space for growth, 
inspiration, laughter, and love free of judgment in hopes that after you listen, you're a little more knowledgeable or at least a little more entertained than before. It's homegirl vibes here. Real, raw, and a little funny. A lot of fucking funny. So thanks for tuning in to the Black Girl Bravado Podcast. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back, cutie patooties. How's it going? It's going well. How's your weekend? My weekend has been great. Eventful. Yeah, I'm like, what have you been doing? It's been eventful. Taking care of business and also tried some new gems in the hood. Okay. So we went to a black-owned coffee shop. Love the vibe. Yeah, Hilltop Coffee and Kitchen. Great energy. The four us by us. Yes. Great black art on Little the walls. Little Wayne was playing over the speakers, playing through the speakers. It was a vibe. It was full of black that people. That little vibe. Yeah, it was, it was full of black people. Love that. Yeah. Love, love to see our people doing good things. So, yeah, that was good. Then went to a game night. You were there. I was there. We had a good time. Yeah. And um, today, back to take care of business, preparing for the week. So, yeah. How was your weekend? Exactly the same as yours. So good. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Hilltop was great. I had a great almond, Um, I mean, a lavender latte with a little almond milk. Mmm. It was tasty. I haven't had coffee in a long time. Yeah. Okay. So tap in, girls. If you live in the Los Angeles area, um, pull up at Hilltop and have a good time. Yes. All right. It's Black week. History Month. And remember, we said we're circulating the black dollar. We're circulating that black dollar. We're keeping it in our community longer than six days. Yes. Okay, girls. Period. So, new week, new tea. Where we kiki with you and you kiki with we. What's going on in the world? This Pop week. Culture. Pop culture, right. This week in pop culture. <laughs> R. Kelly. <laughs> R. Kelly was arrested. Finally. Thank heavens. Yes, R. Kelly was finally arrested. He's being charged with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse involving four victims, three of whom are minors. Sickening. We already know. You guys already know our sentiments on R. Kelly. Let's just hope that justice is served. Period. Done That's with it. it. Yeah. Don't want to drag that story through the mud Don't. anymore. Just, we want justice for our girls. Yes. Done. That's dotted. it. Um, And good news. Okay. Today marks the 20th anniversary of Back That Ass Up Dun. by Juvenile, produced by, <laughs> produced by um Manny Fresh. Yes. That was a classic. Is a classic. Looking that back at that on? video, wow, we really been doing our thing for years. Years. This twerking thing, this ass get the wiggling, motherfucking jiggling thing. Yeah. That's in our blood. That's in our ancestry. Okay. Yes. We were born. There's with no this. doubt about that. So, twenty years later, we still, still in rotation. Still, the still. moment that comes on to this day, till this, <laughs> to this day, yeah, till this day. That gets us moving and grooving. So shout out to Manny Fresh for creating a banger. Wow. That Just has wow. longevity like that. I mean, that must be you a know what? great feeling. Like what an accomplishment. Let me tell you. To create that. Art. Back that ass up is equivalent to you make me happy. <laughs> equivalent to the Frankie Beverly Maze, okay? Yeah. This you can tell. Ba, da, da, da. Yeah. Equivalent. Those are neck and neck. Yeah. We're on the floor when that. Oh, God. What? What gems? Because that song is 30, 40 years old and 
we're still here with that it's song. It's still making us happy. Still. still. Okay, to this day. Yeah. It's still in our still. It's still in rotation. Love it. Love when our music transcends time. So shout out to Juvenile who thought they was only taking over the 99 in and the, the 2000s. 2000s. And here and, we are. Yeah. In the one nine. <laughs> okay, we in the one nine to the two zero. <laughs> It's, it's a moment. We're here. Love so, it. So, yeah, another black history moment. Clap it up for us. Yes. We're celebrating all things black. I know it's been a challenging month for us, but still we rise. Yes. Shout out to Maya. Yeah. So we just want to take a few moments to remind you to support things you love. Yes. Support black culture. What we're doing here. Someone on the live asked, what are we doing? like to commemorate and honor black history month we do this black ass podcast every week okay that's what we're doing so we need you guys to support what you love this is an ecosystem here we give to you and we want you to pour back into us by rating reviewing and subscribing that's it for now we don't want your black dollar just yet, yet. we don't want the black dollar yet we just want your energy that's it say something nice share Leave this it. podcast share it post it on your stories tweet about it Facebook about it, text your homegirls about it. That's how this podcast is spread mm -hmm. by your efforts. So I we're counting it. on you. Without you, there's no us. We're looking out for this. You guys are a mirror of us. Yeah. We're reflecting one another. We're a reflection of each other. So for sure. Do something sweet this week. Leave a rating and a review. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to highlight one of our girlfriends mm -hmm. for leaving a review this week. Her name is Jasmine. Beautiful name. She says, Soul Sisters, this podcast is my therapy. B and G are my best friends in my head. Hey. I look forward to listening to them each week. I am so grateful I was put onto this podcast. Their conversations force listeners to dig deeper and tap into things we probably would have never given a second thought that may be causing friction in our day to day. And then they take it a step further and tell us ways to cope with said friction. They are very well spoken and still manage to couple their professionalism with homegirl vibes. Thank you. Thanks. I don't Thank know how professional you. it is. You're welcome. Don't know how professional it is, but. You know. We try. We inform and we have fun. Yeah. A little work and a little play. A little business up top, party at the bottom. You know that vibe. Yeah. So. Thank you, Yasmin, and thank you for everyone else who has left a review yeah. this week. Love we love you, you for it. Um, we also want to remind you, you can keep up with all things The Black Girl Bravado at theblackgirlbravado.com. If you want to email us or send us something or chat about something, send your black, I mean, your um, girlfriend, gags. girlfriend gags. We can do that on the website, theblackgirlbravado.com. So tap in there. And then we have our Facebook group, mm -hmm. the Black Girl Bravado Podcast Homegirl Hangout, where you can have a little girl talk if you like. We can talk about the episodes more. Anything you want to do, we have promotion of your businesses, your adventures in there. Make sure you're joined into that group. Yeah. And um, also come, come fuck with us on the live. Yes. Every we have Wednesday. A live, yeah. Every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Um, we bring new topics to the live. We, we usually dive deeper into the hot topics on live. Yeah, and we talk about whatever it is that you girls want to talk about. So it's your time to connect with us in a safe space and have a little fun. Um, anything else you want to share? We love you. That, that we, always, okay? <laughs> that ain't never going to stop. 
So um, just a quick recap of last week's episode. Episode 85 was all in the family intergenerational trauma. Mm. So in last week's episode, we chatted about how trauma from generations before us can be passed down and have an effect on us in the present. We identified ways we might see the actions of trauma unfolding in our families and also share ways of intergenerational trauma um, and the ways that these it's shown up in our personal lives and offer some suggestions to help begin to break the cycle and overcome. We wanted to break every chain. Break them. Break every chain. Why did I see a tweet today that says, bust down generational trauma? (laughs) I love us for real. (laughs) I want to see you break down. What is it? Bust down? Bust down. Wow. Yeah. So that was hilarious to me. That really tickled me. I'm like, I love my people. We will flip and tumble something, okay? We will. We get the bag and fumble it. You get the bag and flip Flip it it and tumble it. it. We do that, okay? Um, so this week, this week, man, bring it on right on the back of generational trauma. (laughs) We know that it's something that a lot of us have to unpack and it may require some additional help, right? Definitely. You can't do it by yourself. We tell you all all the time. We are not therapists. We are not qualified professionals. (laughs) We're just giving you our take on things. Take, take from it what you may, but (laughs) today, today, we actually have a professional. Finally. Finally. We have someone. Yeah, we have a professional here with us today that's going to be giving us some great information. As usual, we wouldn't bring anyone on here who wouldn't. Mm-hmm. That's not what we do. Yeah. But this this girl. This little mommy. Yes. This little mommy, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. You may have heard of her. She goes by the name of Dr. Jess. Uh-huh. Jessica Clemens. She is going to drop on us knowledge about anxiety, depression, how to get into, get into therapy. therapy. Also, she's a psychiatrist, so we talked about the medicinal aspect to mm-hmm. mental health. So much, so much covered. Hopefully, you guys find value in this information. Hopefully, if you were feeling a little apprehensive about therapy, this may give you the reassurance that you need that it's okay. And per the usual, we want to remove the negative negative stigma associated, associated with mental health. Yes. And wellness. And Dr. Jess is doing that on her platform every day. So, um, yeah, like Brittany said, hopefully this conversation is added, adds value to your life. You're able to pull something out of it. And, um, yeah, hopefully you just love it. She's a real good girl. She is. So, so let's get ready. Buckle up. We're going on a ride. Okay, so today we have an amazing guest that Germany and I are both super excited about. We have Jessica Clemens, affectionately known as Dr. Jess, yes. with us here today. Welcome, Dr. Jess. Mm-hmm. Hello. Thank mm. you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, we are too. Thank We're, you for being here. Yeah, and taking time out of your day and your schedule to chat with the homegirls. Yes. Sidebar, we're, we're outdoors. We're tapping into our Auntie Oprah vibe. It's Super Soul Sunday vibe. So mm-hmm. if you guys hear anything, we're in nature. Okay, yeah. people? We're in nature. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's nice outside. So, Dr. Jess, do you mind just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey, how you came to be Dr. Jess? Yeah. Um, so, let's see. I guess I always go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'll keep it brief. But um, I've always wanted to be a doctor since I was like a small child um, and something that I think would always guided me in terms of the choices I made. So, um that was kind of a seed that was planted when I was really young. I'm going to become a doctor one day. Fast forward, I end up moving to New York City to go to med school. And during that time, 
thought I was going to like do dermatology or surgery mm. or some other specialty um, and really fell in love with psychiatry. Mm. Um, and so now I'm in my residency um, at NYU finishing up in the summer. Yay! Um, and really just kind of developed Dr. Jess out of coming to terms with choosing psychiatry uh, as a black woman and really just a black person in medicine, you know, the thought is that you'd go and become like a surgeon, a cardiologist. So I had to deal with my parents not being really sure of why I chose it and mm -hmm. questioning like, what are you going to get patients, all that kind of stuff. So um, Dr. Jess just kind of developed like with me learning how to deal with those reactions and coming to terms, so to speak. And then finding that people were really interested about their mental health. Um, and so, yeah, I use social media to kind of engage people about those conversations and whatnot, so. You're doing it, girl. Ah, thank you. You're Love it, yeah, <laughs> social media can be a powerful tool when you use it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you're a psychiatrist. Can you explain the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Because I think a lot of us don't understand the exact difference between the two. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you asked um, because I will admit, well, I, you know, I absolutely love my colleagues in psychology. Mm -hmm. um, it can be frustrating sometimes when people, you know, misname kind of what your yeah. uh, expertise are. So yeah. no, no shade. Absolutely. Because again, I love my colleagues, but I, you know, it's different. Yeah. So to your question, um, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. So they went to medical school um, and chose to do a residency in psychiatry. So in, in medicine, you you essentially can be any kind of doctor that you want to be as long as you do a residency in it. So um, a psychiatrist has chosen to do their residency in this particular field. Um, the main difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist, in addition to that, is also psychiatrists are we prescribe medications, right? Yeah. Medical doctors um, have that distinction. So um, if someone comes to see me as a psychiatrist, I can do therapy, but I'm oftentimes thinking about, does this person need medication? Mm -hmm. um, while psychologists are people who um, also spend a lot of time in school too. Um, so they you know, have completed undergraduate, just like a medical doctor, but they spend their kind of graduate years um, gaining additional kind of training in, P in PhD level mm -hmm. um, in psychology, and some of them actually do the clinical work. And so they will kind of have what's called externships, mm -hmm. where they spend a year or two kind of specializing in certain areas of mental health. Um, but they, right now, only can, can do therapy. Got it. Um, so that's, I guess, the main distinction. They're it's not like, giving any scripts. Correct. Gotcha. No scripts. Right. <laughs> so um, I know that sometimes people, or even I could say for myself, we can come to grips with like, okay, I have to deal with my mental health. But when medication is introduced, it's a whole different ball game. It's like, whoa, 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 didn't think I was gonna be on medication. So what do you think, what role do you think medication plays in our mental health? Like, clearly you advocate for medication use, right? You're a psychiatrist. So what, what is, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, so I think because I'm still very early in my career, I, I can relate a lot to the kind of experience of people who are would you know be the receivers of mental health treatment mm -hmm. um so i can totally understand why it can be very scary to think about yeah. starting medication um when i'm approaching a patient i think about what is going to help them return to a certain level of functioning that they were at before mm -hmm. um and i think about what role would medication have in that mm -hmm. and so for people who are dealing with depression that's really resulting in that in an inability for them to really you know perform tasks like 
bathing, showering, mm. eating. When they're really dragged by the ass. Yes. yes. Bottom of the ass. Completely, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I tell people depression can feel like a um, having a lead plate that you're carrying around. So mm. for this person, why would I wait for the results of a of therapy, which I do think is great for people who have depression and there's evidence for it too. Mm -hmm. Why would I wait when I can give a medication that um, we give about four to six weeks uh, before we determine whether or not the medication's helping or mm -hmm. starting to see an effect? Why would I wait to help before I can, you know, kind of get in there and help someone? So yeah. I look at medication as a way to really kind of get people back to a place that they were much more quickly than therapy. Therapy, we're looking at months. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a, a year. lot of internal work. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yeah, and and with depression, people can, you know, develop thoughts of suicide, and so yes, yes. we really need to kind of address the biological or chemical change. Um, and then also, there's some illnesses that really we just know are best treated with medication. Things like schizophrenia, mm -hmm. yes, um, yeah. bipolar mood disorder, disorder, also with mood stabilizers for that. So. Yeah, I often think about what's going to help that person to kind of get better more quickly. Yeah, the real so deal. So when it comes deal. to going to a psychiatrist, is that something you have to receive? You have to seek a referral from your primary care physician, or can you just pull up to the psychiatrist like, hey, I know that something's wrong, and I need you to help me? Because we can just go to a psychologist. We don't necessarily need a referral. We can just find one, see if they're covered under our insurance or not, mm -hmm. and then just pay them a visit right. but with a psychiatrist how does that process work do you need a referral yes i think it depends um right now at least in new york city um you could you know you can look up a psychiatrist and and see if they accept your insurance the sad part is in new york you know because the climate is already kind of the culture is people see a therapist or a psychiatrist, right? That's kind of like embedded yeah, in the culture. That is, that's a thing in NYC. Yeah. I'm like, everybody got a damn therapist. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to see my therapist. It's like <laughs> interwoven in the culture in the city. Yeah. Got it. You okay. know, it's okay. a thing. Go ahead, Dr. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. So, no. So, I was saying, I think in that case, um, a lot of psychiatrists there don't take insurance. Aww. So, yeah. And it's an expensive service uh, or I don't want to say service, actually expensive treatment. Mm -hmm. Um so Damn. yeah, so so a lot of it is you can look up a psychiatrist in the same way that you would a psychologist. I don't think that this is an area that you have to be referred to, like when you're seeing a dermatologist, where you need right. to see your primary care doc first. Yeah. Um, and again, I think part of it is because a lot of psychiatrists do not take insurance. They just don't reimburse you well enough. And yeah. if you're spending one hour with one person, mm -hmm. it's you need like, your time back. Time back in the form of coin. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Need it, need it back. Energy exchange. Yes. But exactly. there are resources available for people who may, you know, have difficulty paying. Got it. Okay. That's okay. good to know. We'll talk about those later. Right. Okay. So before we even get to deciding, okay, I need a therapist, I need to speak to somebody and actually going, how do we know that we need therapy? Like, is it like, do I need therapy if I don't feel depressed or down? How would I? How would you differentiate or know as a regular Joe Schmo or Jane Doe that you need <laughs> therapy? That is a great question. Um, so there's multiple types of therapies. I really, in my training, have learned a lot of like a lot of the different ones. But the one type of therapy that I really enjoy doing is like a, a kind of supportive therapy or mm -hmm. psychodynamic therapy mm -hmm. where it's kind of the classical talk therapy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So for people who are dealing with depression, anxiety, yes, like you can absolutely be treated with this type of therapy. Mm -hmm. But to your question, um, and I so, also my personal experience with this is I, I do think that if people are dealing with 
a lot of like repetitive issues in their life. So problems with relationships, you keep dating the wrong person or you, you can't let go of an ex. Um, you're having problems functioning at work. It may not make you feel depressed clinically, but you're mm -hmm. just not really performing at a level. Thriving. That yeah. Yeah. yeah thriving. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Those are excellent candidates, I think, for the classical talk therapy where mm -hmm. you go in once a week and you just talk about whatever's on your mind. Yeah. Um, and part of it is that you start to work through those issues because a lot of it in terms of that theory, like the psychodynamic theory, it's, it's tied to relationships that you've had early on. Right, how you experience people, um, how you respond to things, like you've learned that through the earliest relationships. Yeah, mm. for sure. So we talked about, do you think that therapy, just going to therapy could be good for preventative care? Like say, you feel like you're functioning okay in the relationships and everything is going good, but is it still something that would be good to have I guess a non-biased opinion or just someone that you don't know to talk to. Safe space vibe. Hmm. Um, I guess I'm still on the fence about that. Like if you're describing a person who, you know, feels like they're thriving, they don't really have any kind of questions that are burning inside or, you know, they're kind of doing fine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think that that's a person who should really like focus on seeking it out. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say... I mean, just as a psychiatrist, you know, I'm happy that I went into it because I think my role is obviously caring for a person, but I need to also understand what my biases or thoughts are that could yeah. inform mm. and affect treatment. And then you do start to learn about things. Like there can be things that you didn't process that could really help you. Yeah. So, so I guess to answer your question, I think if things are feeling settled for you and no one's coming up to you and saying like, you know, you really have this problem. Yeah. I think that's important to know too. Yeah. Like you might think you're okay, but if people are like, actually sure. you really have right. an issue with yeah. this. If that's not you, I think that, you know, hold it down. Don't worry about going. There definitely will be things in your life that may end Happen. up. Yeah. yeah. Death and, and you, things right. lost yeah. that things can, you know, put you in a place where you need additional support. Got it. You know, you brought up a, a really good point when you mentioned about biases or even your own experience and how we view the world. Because at the end of the day, um, therapists are people too, right? And you have your own experience and shit happens and you are affected by everything that happens in the world too. So people sometimes, or I would say myself, you might want to connect with somebody of the same race, right? Or the same gender, because you feel like that person might relate to you yeah. more. Is cultural training or any of that part a part of like medical training? Is Experience. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, I'm getting excited by your question. Go. Yeah. Um, so there is what's called cultural competency mm -hmm. um, training that does happen in medical training. Um, internally, like from the viewpoint of a, of a resident and when I was a medical student, also when we were getting these, they're helpful, but they're they're just not done mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. You okay. know, like you're getting training about specific nuances within cultures, yeah. like mm -hmm. the Asian population or this or that, and it it's really hard to really get someone to understand how important it is to be empathic. Yeah. So yes, we have training, but there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, and so anybody out there listening who works in medical training, get with some people of color to really find out how to do this. Yeah. Okay? You got to you yeah. got to take the initiative and really want to know and learn and do better because I mean we definitely have different life experiences. Absolutely. It's I don't just, feel like I would be able to connect with probably 
white woman. Just probably no couldn't. lie, I feel I would definitely be on therapy for black girls. Like, yeah. please be covered by my insurance because I need you. Yeah, I don't think I could. My just, mom actually went to like um, just like one or two visits, and that's exactly what she said. She was like, I just don't feel like she got me. Yeah, I just don't feel like she got me. Yeah, and I don't know if maybe because there's a process with therapy that. You know, they're not going to just get you the first visit. Yeah, mm-hmm. how does that work? You have to you unpack. Open up? Yeah, so yeah, let's talk about but that. But not if I feel like you're judging me. There will be no opening. No. <laughs> if I feel like you're judging and off the rip. And that's a process, too. That's a process, too. Even opening up in therapy because the therapist can only work with what you give them. Right? Yes, They can't absolutely. really get inside of your yeah. brain and figure <laughs> out things that you're not sharing. So you have to relax, open up, and share with them so that they can say, Oh, this may be why this is happening. You're a therapist? I know she's like, not, she's no, literally I, you know I'm a dropping psychology gems. Major, yeah, but, yeah, okay. ah. but yeah, but that's, that's what, so it's like we have to do work before we even go to therapy, a little bit of work, just being able to open up mm-hmm. so that they can actually help us. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I always that. advise people, if you are about to quit therapy, and also I've experienced this, people telling me this too, mm-hmm. you know, in therapy myself you should talk to your therapist about it, right? Mm. Um, Because that is going to allow them to know what you really think and Mm -hmm. give them an opportunity to change if it's something that really has to do with a cultural difference. But then also you learn that you don't run from your problems, you address them. Come on, Mm. bring it back around. So you learn that you're like, I actually really hate being here. I had several sessions where that's what I talked about. Like I think the beginning of it was like, I don't even understand why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I know I went. Right. Okay. But yeah. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like you don't understand how crazy this is that I'm here. I'm black and I'm talking to you. It's just So you've gone to therapy yourself. Yeah, I'm in it. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah, I'm in it. But you you talk through it. Yeah, I'd be like, girl, I don't like you that much. So what are some signs that we've we found a good therapist? Yeah, like, like when we've connected, is it just like we because I'm leaning we, on we, your we, shoulder? We wait, I feel like people wait for a spark. Like we hit it no. off. <laughs> She's my girl. The synergy's there. We yeah. have some common interests and goals. I'm laying on her lap. Like, <laughs> is it that? Is it? That I don't box? think so. No. So I I think um, if you are you you do want I think you, you want to make sure you feel like heard. And some of the signs that your therapist is really listening is when they provide like these reflective statements that show you that they're able to like consolidate what you've told them and they're able to verbalize it back to you Mm. and and show you that they're understanding what you're experiencing. You don't want to just have them saying, "Mm mm-hmm. Exactly. mm -hmm, Right. Right. You want to like feedback. Tap in. (laughs) Give me something. Yeah. Yeah. Like you and they when they show you that, that means that they're they're like empathically listening. So Mm. they're saying like, you know, I'm hearing you say that at work, you feel like they're kind of ostracizing you because you're a black woman. (laughs) And you know Yeah, that's the story for so many of us. (laughs) But when they're showing you that they're thinking through it, I think that's a sign that that's someone who's going to be interested in what you're saying. I don't think the sparks is actually as important because the spark may mean that this person is trying is, is may not know it but evoking things within you that makes you feel good right i don't need my therapist to make me feel good i need my therapist to help me work through things talk about it yeah you know because i think that's what we're waiting on our therapist to make us feel good you know like oh that was great i feel great i feel liberated like kind of motivated motivated motivating us though in a different way, like not motivating us, motivating us to necessarily change, 
Yeah. But motivating us to like, okay, I could keep going through like life. Like a word this. from church. It's not a word from church. Yes. yes. Like a word yeah. from church. We not look for that, I think, as people of color. We yeah. do. We because do. we have so much. And so the way that we've been able to kind of maintain is we get these like inspirational experiences. Yes. This warm message that mm -hmm. carries us for a week. Your therapy is you getting into like, why you feel like your therapist isn't understanding yeah, you. Yeah, the knit grit. The knitting, yeah, and that's where you then you start to develop being more assertive and confident and the anxiety you experience starts to decrease because you're stepping into the world as who you are. Mm. It's, so you I, might I think not it's always feel good when no. you, once you're leaving Doesn't these therapy good. sessions. You might feel like, okay, so what the fuck just happened? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now I'm upset. I feel worse. Yes. Yeah. But later on down the line, you'll understand why. Yeah, you come back. You may talk about that at the next session. You may say, I left out feeling like crap. Shit. Yeah, like, girl, what's up? And they may yeah. say to you, well, why do you think that? You did this. That's what I, I think I need therapy to deal with my anxiety. It's so bad. I think it's great. I mean, I really advocate for therapy. Ugh, okay. Yeah, it might help you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm tapping in. So, let's say someone lands in your office. How can we tell between just feeling down and feeling really being depressed? Because I can be down for two days. Like I'm just in a depression. I'm not. I'm in a depression right now. That that was me. Two weeks yeah. ago, I was like depressed, girl. But Don't obviously, <laughs> obviously, there's a difference between having a bad day, maybe even a bad week, bad couple weeks, and being clinically depressed. So what are like some signs that you're depressed versus just depression being down? Around. I feel like we people really depressed. throw it around like depressed. I'm late to work. I'm depressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I didn't get my ticket to the concert. Now depressed. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're bringing up what a lot of people need to understand is that, um, it's clinical, like clinical depression is what I'm, I'm really there to help with. Um, in addition to like therapy and the stuff we've been talking about, but clinical depression really is, it's consistent over a number of weeks. Mm. Most, most of the time, like we're looking at, we are in fact looking at at least two weeks of depressed mood. And then there's five of nine symptoms that we look at that make up what's like the clinical depression. Mm. Um, and so if you're feeling that depressed feeling for again, most of the days over a period, most of the time for a period of a couple weeks. Um, and you may notice that you're having trouble concentrating, mm -hmm. um, not sleeping as well. Your appetite's lower. Mm -hmm. um, you're not really interested in those things that were fun. That can be a sign that you are in fact dealing with a clinical depression. Mm, okay. Um, but I think it's normal. I want to really normalize feelings. It's very normal to feel sadness and allow yourself to feel that but just recognize if it starts to linger and now it's affecting aspects of your you know your overall functioning yeah that's when it could be clinical mm. okay got it okay so we're gonna go with the ebbs and flows it's okay to be sad yes, yes you might I am. Absolutely. yeah it's okay i'm like what's wrong not all the time but you know it happens sometimes i have my moments where i'm just down yeah. yeah, I'm like, okay, life. Right. So mm -hmm. I brought up anxiety. Uh, I know that a lot of people deal with anxiety, especially the climate of our country, stress over just little things, you know. How do we manage or deal with anxiety? Like, do you have clients who discuss like, hey, I feel like I'm anxious as hell all the time? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the main um, disorders that I treat a lot. I mean, I'm at NYU, so Bellevue Hospital, we see 
really every type of illness. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of like patients who come into the office, it's generally they're dealing with depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. So yes, um, you know, the the options as far as what I offer are medication Mm -hmm. or therapy. Um, And and there's a type of therapy I think is really helpful for like generalized anxiety or OCD and they have evidence for it. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And you start to learn about the way that your thinking affects um, your behavior and your feelings affect your thinking. And you start to really pay attention to Mm. your thoughts with the goal of recognizing how much they are affected affecting the way that you feel. Um, and then you start to kind of practice things to help reduce your anxiety mm. um, through like a different, you know, kind of further on in the treatment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Definitely. I've I've had anxious <laughs> feelings. My anxiety, I always feel like something bad is going to happen. I don't know why. I, I'm like, and then I try to give myself therapy like, okay, <laughs> did a lot of bad things happen in your life that makes you feel like something bad is going to happen? And mm. I'm like, no, not really. And that's when I'm like, okay, I need to talk to somebody because this doesn't make any kind of sense. It doesn't make any kind of sense. That's what I do. You know me. I be stressed driving. I'm like, Lord, don't let anybody hit my car. <laughs> but at but least I you've been why. in an accident. I've been in, you've been in multiple accident. accidents. So, so that's I've valid. Been on the road, like, please, Lord, shield of protection over this car. Mm-hmm. That's valid. Shit, it be stressing me out. But yeah, and anxiety can be physical too. Yeah. So you may not even recognize your thoughts. Like some people are not really that. In- kind of introspective to realize that they're having these worrisome thoughts but they may feel it so yeah. there's yeah. the tension that you're carrying in your back not not from like you know having a rough week but like that's where you carry your anxiety yes, or, or yes, heart yes. palpitations um sweaty, or hands. sweaty hands yeah things that come up that Me. show you that you may be feeling a anxious little, yeah okay um but I think meditation and mindfulness is a way to kind of help keep yourself in the moment. Yeah. Yes. It can be a good way to kind of cope with some of the symptoms of anxiety. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, there's, a, there's a, a lot of people are experiencing anxiety. Yeah. I yeah. was better being when I was black, doing my yoga. And being black in America <laughs> is an anxious thing. Absolutely. Period. Okay. It's tough. Yeah, I know. And then I'm also, I, I feel like social media, like things are just coming in by the minute. Yeah. Every minute it's like, this is happening, this is happening, this happened. It's like, okay, wait, this is too much. Got to mm-hmm. disconnect because now I'm feeling anxious about things that don't even pertain to me. That's why I, I had to turn my news notifications off. They were like, everything was like breaking news. This is happening now. I'm like, everything is happening and it's breaking news and it's bothering me. Yeah. I cannot tap into what's really, what I need to really know because everything is happening. Right. Everything is breaking news. It is. No, it's true. I think you should definitely... Decrease monitor what you're taking in yeah yes. it is a lot of stim- stimulation we yeah. don't really know what the effects are yeah, yeah. Mm, changing it so that's a good segue into coping mechanisms so mm-hmm. um turning off notifications and being mindful practicing yoga are good ways to cope with being anxious mm-hmm. but how can we tell between healthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy because a lot of us might go shopping spin a check and get it right back yeah and mm-hmm. say it's therapy and that can be a negative behavior sometimes if you're not doing it responsibly. So how can we tell between, okay, this is a healthy coping mechanism and this is not that healthy? Yeah, I think that's a wonderful question. Um, you know, and uh, people may not even realize some of their behaviors that they're doing are, are in fact helping them deal with mm. like symptoms of anxiety. Um, so I think the way that you can tell, you know, is you can't really just use, Hey, am I feeling better? Right. Cause a lot of those things like that retail therapy yeah. feels good in the moment. But if you, if you really are honest with yourself, is this destructive? I think mm. is a question to ask yourself when you're choosing what to do. 
you know, a lot of people are smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol, especially, you know, I think in the black community, we use those substances as a way to treat the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and a lot of it really is historical and not having access to care and being forced to be in care and whatever when we are, you know, so I think asking yourself this question, like, is this potentially harmful is this destructive if you're like me i'm very introspective so i could be like is this destructive and be real with myself Mm -hmm. if you're not there i think you should really ask yourself like in the long run would my mom be proud of me if i'm maybe that's a way to ask Mm, yourself right take it there take it there like would mom agree with me shopping every time i feel stressed at work would mom Mm -hmm. be like you need to chill out if the answer is yes she would say you need to chill out Probably shouldn't do it. Probably shouldn't do it. And there are definitely other things that you could do that really are helpful, like exercising, mindfulness, yes, yoga, things that really help you also tap into your feelings yes. and learning how to sit with things. Connecting with some other folks. You know, I yes. feel like being around good people also motivates you to do better, be better. Um, speaking of which, how do we remove ourselves from like toxic situations, you know, when yeah. people just dragging us? like that can be tough you know is that something that therapy will help you with yes i think therapy can help you um approach what to do with toxic relationships or and you know toxic environments because you really will explore those particular issues in depth and probably why you're why you keep going exactly Mm -hmm. so you'll kind of work at getting at the root um of it so i totally agree yeah therapy could help with that like classical talk therapy Mm. um in terms of what to do you know i'm i'm at a stage in my life where i'm i think i've had plenty of sessions of therapy now i understand what's important for me and accepting my feelings and the work i'm doing to help other people with that that i'm I'm a little bit more kind of direct in terms of what i want so i'm at a place where if it's, it's not working, well, yeah, yeah, I'm we're, out, done. we're done. Deuces, fool. Right. Yeah. But, you know, there's a way that you can do it that's healthy and not, you know, like putting the other person out to dry. But I think if you're not quite there, I think starting to really focus more attention on the things that are good for you. So mm. focus your attention on those healthy relationships and start to, like, spend less time nurturing the relationships that are toxic and they will naturally fade Fall out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if it's an environment like a job, you want to start maybe looking for jobs that align more with what you want mm-hmm. and start to transition out of what's not helpful anymore. Yeah. Start manifesting that good stuff. Right? Yeah. We're all about manifesting. Yeah. Totally. We call it in. We always call things into us. We're like, all right, universe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Come bring all that here. Please. Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm a believer of that as well. Man, and power manifestors. Yes. Yeah. Um, so as a psychiatrist, what are you mentioned being in therapy, but what are some ways that you honor yourself and practice self-care? Because you're exchanging a lot of energy, I'm sure, in your sessions, mm-hmm. and you have to be operating at your best level in order to help others. So what are some ways that you implement self-care or take care of yourself? Yeah, I love that question. Thank you for checking on the therapist. Um, I I just listen to my body, you know, like I I'm like a my philosophy in life is just like enjoy it and you don't overindulge and just kind of like do those things that make you feel good with mm-hmm. the you know, not the stuff mom wouldn't be proud of. Right, but right. like you know, so I like take care of myself by spending time with people that really make me feel good and Mm -hmm. having that exchange and seeing them 
thrive off of that exchange. Um, you know, I eat what I want to eat and try to just do it in moderation. And I just, I, my approach is just really to not try to like be perfect and just mm -hmm. like simply be, and like what you guys were talking about with manifesting, just focusing on those things I want to see yes. out of life and trying to just make my life look like that. Yes. So I definitely have bitten off of the kind of mindfulness mm -hmm. way yeah. of thinking. I definitely have yeah, I integrated think that. We're all biting off a piece <laughs> of that elephant. Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> so we all are. 2019, right? Yes. Because you're making this your year. You're doing things that you want. You're calling in those things that you want. The Be Well series, right? Mm -hmm. This conversational series that you do and um, creating a platform for people to connect with and explore this conversation of mental health and wellness. Tell everybody more about that because that's super interesting and the girls need to tap in. I think it also helps make therapy mental and health. mental health di more digestible Palable. for our people. Yeah, it's hard for our folks. Yeah. yeah. People of color, we don't always know how to check in we always like okay god's gonna fix it yeah pray it away pray it away or we do the cranes in the sky method drink it away yeah it away okay yeah away away yeah away, <laughs> away. so tell everybody about the be well series yeah i'm glad you asked so be well it's a conversation series that i started like last year mm -hmm. um the the goal really is like I see myself as like one of the things that I really think is my purpose is inspiring people. So my goal is to kind of take these people who are incredibly interesting, mm -hmm. accomplished, right, um, that have a huge platform. So mm -hmm. usually it's like a recording artist or fashion designer mm -hmm. um, really trying to get into like activists, different people who are like doing it. Yeah. Take their story and talk about things that they normally don't in such a way that as an audience member, you walk away inspired and encouraged. Mm. So like you're hearing your favorite artists talk about how they had to deal with like ASAP Ferg. I had him yes. for February. He was incredible hearing him talk about what it was like to lose his father and, mm. and share his grieving experience. Right. If you're in the audience and you've dealt with that or you're dealing with that, you may be in the process of losing someone to see someone that you look up to and maybe wonder what they have that made them successful like you're hearing them go through things so i hope that people walk away like if they went through that and they're still thriving i can too yeah. mm -hmm. um and so that's like the main kind of goal and then the other part obviously which is very very important which i do every time is try to normalize conversations about mental health yeah so i find that because people are sitting with the psychiatrist even though it's not a therapy session they still talk about the things like emotion or substances maybe not through their direct experience of dealing with it but other people in their life mm -hmm. so again it's so that when you leave you know they're having the conversation i can continue it and then i always encourage people to get help you know even you just mentioning that when you're experiencing or when you're yeah experiencing these conversations that are happening with a therapist or just talking about certain issues that open up these own feelings that you might be struggling with or going through it really does put things into perspective because when i was watching in session live with dr justin charlamagne the god uh, um, i was like <laughs> damn uncle Charla. uncle Char i was like <laughs> tapped in i feel like i was like oh my god i'm learning so much and then the things that he was saying and you guys were just conversing about it really like triggered some things in myself where I started to think and I'm like, oh, shit, I feel like I'm in therapy. Yeah, mm. I'm in session. You know, I'm like, this is my session. Yeah. And then I had to record it and let my honey watch it. I'm like, tap in. He <laughs> might be saying something that you're identifying with. That's so true. It is real. That really happens. Speaking about that, um, <laughs> that just brought a question to me. Like, so is there a way 
that say we have a family member or a significant other that we know we we can identify that there's a problem and they may benefit from professional help is there a way that we can get them to get that help go get that help go to therapy do you have any suggestions for that i mean i know they have to make a personal decision Mm -hmm. but is there a way that we can kind of push them or give a loving nudge (laughs) in that direction because there's a lot of times where we either i mean i guess we do have a choice but we're going to be interacting with these people and it's like i can't interact with you if you're like this and i want to interact with you and you need help like what can we do if anything to help people yeah i think you know that's it's such it's so difficult because like you said it's still it still is up to the person in most cases to seek out treatment as an outpatient meaning like in the office mm-hmm. and and then each state has different kind of laws about how a person can be in or engage in treatment kind of against their will mm-hmm. right like an emergency level right, right. like you know and there's there's different a hold yeah 50 50 yeah and so you know in cases like if you have a loved one that you are worried about their safety they're suicidal they've called you and said some things they've had shown you some things like that they've done to themselves any of that um you can call 911 and and kind of start that process that way mm-hmm. where then they will be brought into an emergency room evaluated by a psychiatrist and then based on the state that they're in the determination would be made with what they could do. Like if this is in fact someone who needs to be hospitalized. Um, So definitely if you're worried, worried, worried about someone, like you can always call. And then they have like hotlines that you can maybe even call and ask about if you're not sure. Mm -hmm. Because substance use is actually really tricky because unfortunately um, it's not seen as a mental health illness even though we do treat people who have substance use problems so we we really can't force people and i have so many sad stories of people come into the emergency room and i'm like i can't keep them you know because they're not even if the substance like induces that's different that's different so So, like you know if the substance use has induced some type of suicidal behavior i could hold them but then oftentimes if we think it's because they were intoxicated and then you're going on a trip. You can't just be like, I, I can't need help. Keep... I'm on a trip. Bring me down. Right. We'll we'll monitor you. We'll keep you in the hospital for a little bit of time. But in terms of hospitalizing you, when you go up into the unit and yeah, no. process and see a psychiatrist and get outpatient treatment, that unfortunately the laws don't support that. So, but definitely there have been people who come in and they're like, it's just a horrible, sad situation. But you know, that's when you tell them about resources for substance use. I'm going on and on. No, you're um, not. <laughs> but I will say for, for just kind of like you're not sure, you have a loved one that, you know, you think that they're depressed in the way that we talked about. Yeah. Um, I always think about just opening space for them. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. If somebody's forcing you to do something, you don't do it. Do it, right? right like right. if your mom is telling you to clean up your room or your spouse or partner or whatever is like, fussing at you to do the dishes you're not gonna yeah do gonna it. take my time yeah right. <laughs> right but if you have those people in your mind that you can think about that kind of were empathic they listen mm-hmm. they, they absorb what you were feeling and try to help you realize that they get it and just encouraged you you you're probably more than likely to follow stuff that they've recommended mm-hmm. so be that person right hey friend it seems like you're having a hard time like I'm I'm worried about you. Would you be willing to talk about what's going on? Mm. Um, No, no, I'm not ready. Okay, well, listen, I know that I've dealt with this and it's been helpful for me to go to treatment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. Let them hear you 
say it's affected me too. You are not alone. Yeah. Right. Got it. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. We got Try it. that. And, and then, you know, if they're willing, go through the process with them. Like, help them set up appointments. You know, you don't want to enable them, but if you need to kind of get them started. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the, the overarching theme is it's a, it's a really difficult spot to be in. And yeah. there's no way that you can really force people. And that's what's sad. Yeah, they got to go when they're ready. So do you have... Um, family members that come to you wanting you to be their therapist? Oh, hell, yeah. Like, what you know, you just a random conversation, like, girl, so what you think is going on with me? <laughs> like, or do you find yourself reading your friends and, like, telling them, like, girl, I think this might be going on. Like, <laughs> How hard is how, that? Like, how does that work? Um, I think luckily it doesn't happen often. I definitely have family members who, when we're together, you know, we'll talk about those things, but I find it to be exciting. We don't get into fine details, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's like I do give that kind of open way of sharing what I'm thinking as a way to kind of encourage them. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them, like, you need to get in therapy. Or, you know, I think that's what you should do. Um, so, yeah, like it doesn't come up a lot. And with my friends, I don't think that I'm like analyzing them, <laughs> but who knows? You're you know, not reading them. You're not reading them. But I think I'm so real with them in mm -hmm. terms of my own kind of life and what I experience that they don't experience me as like the know-it-all and I have right, everything together. Right, right. Uh -huh. I think they experience that like she has training in this. Yes, she's probably going to be able to give me some advice that's really helpful. But then I also share things in my life. Yeah. So yeah. It feels like an yeah, exchange. It's exchange. a friendship. It's yeah. just back and forth. Got yeah. it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on teletherapy? Like we hear a lot about talk space. Oh, yeah. Do you think that that's a good resource for like a primary therapist or is it like a gateway into therapy? What are your thoughts on the teletherapy? Yeah. So there, I mean, there's, there is, I think some evidence out there in psychiatry, we call it like telepsychiatry. So like, yeah, telemedicine. Um, so there is like a whole wave of research about it and, and people can, you know, psychiatrists can certainly take jobs where they um, perform that. And actually in the, one of the emergency rooms I work in, um, I sometimes will do that for an, an emergency room that doesn't have a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really an advocate for the in-person work, mm -hmm. uh, but I get it. Not everyone can do that or afford it. So I think it's helpful to certainly try. But my thought is the real, real, real work is when you're in the room. Because as a, as a psychiatrist slash therapist, whatever, you want to kind of hear that, um, there's a you there's something called countertransference and so that's kind of your own emotion that comes up in response to the patient mm -hmm. um and you can't really get that if you're not in the room got, got it. it right so and that's useful i use it to help guide me in what i would share what i'm thinking or maybe even reveal to the person later that you evoke a lot of this in me what do you think about that mm -hmm. um so yeah, short answer, I think it's I think it's a good way to get started. Yeah. And if that's the only way that you can get help, you're in a town where there's not really a lot of therapists, do it. Yeah. Um, but if you're able to really do the work and get in therapy in person, I think that's... Transition. Yeah. Get in there. Get in the door. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's resources. When there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> <laughs> so about stress, that's, this is something that a lot of our listeners ask about. Stress. How do you handle mood swings and stress mm -hmm. yeah. i don't really know like i guess i don't really know i don't think i really have mood swings but i have been stressed a lot so it's, i get stressed easily honestly but do you have any suggestions for 
managing stress? I guess when it's at a manageable when it's at a manageable level. Yeah, I mean, you know, stress it's tricky, right? There's you stress, which is helpful. That gets you up and gets, you know, helps you to perform. It's the good kind of stress that you have. It's mm -hmm. what makes you shoot a podcast, organize right, it, right? right? Like right. how you guys are. It it's can be useful, but I think when it's too much, um, it can start to make you like irritable and kind of more an edge and snappy um, and then start to wear on your health, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have a lot of cortisol, which is a hormone that's released during stressful times and that leads to like belly fat and then mm -hmm. belly fat is like around the central organ. So stress is definitely, there's a fine line. Um, I think in terms of coping, you wanna do things to kind of reduce your overall stress. So. If it's work-related stress, delegate, talk about things. If it's stress at home, like, you know, find out ways to organize yourself a bit more. If it's um, the fact that you're stressful, you feel more stressed because you're actually dealing with a lot of anxiety, um, you want to treat the anxiety. So um, it's hard for me to tell you, it's, like, not just you, but anybody yeah, exactly right. what to do, except be aware of it mm -hmm. and try to do things that can help reduce it. Yeah. Makes sense. So you tap in. You got to be mindful. You got to figure do. out what in your life is stressful and figure out how to alleviate the stress. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to transition to our girlfriend gag. Yes. Oh, okay. Our girlfriend gag. She's like, mm, what's this? <laughs> yeah. So our girlfriend gag is where you girls out there can send us questions, comments, concerns to contact at theblackgirlbravado.com. And then we come here and we chat about it and weigh in. So we have some questions from some listeners that yes. we picked out. And we're going to ask Dr. Jess her opinion. So the first question, what are some tips to combat overthinking, to combat overthinking? Another uh, thing I have a problem with. Yeah, so <laughs> your question. Right, I should have. <laughs> um, some tips to combat overthinking. Let's see. I mean, it's so tricky because first of all, you have to recognize that you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes by the time you recognize it, it may be like you're already down towards the end of your line of processing, uh -huh. right? Like you're like you're already imagining that the world's coming to an end because mm. you thought all those steps. So as much as you can, you want to try to start to recognize that you're overthinking, mm. which is, again, hard. Right. So yeah. you, step one, I guess. And then I think in terms of stopping it, I think, like, once you recognize it, ask yourself the opposite question. Like, if you're, oh, my God, like, you know, this guy, he didn't call me back right away. So that means, like, he doesn't like me. And if he doesn't like me, no one else will like me. And if no one else likes oh, me, yeah. then, Down you know, spiral. yeah, right. So then you want to start to maybe ask yourself an alternative question. Like, okay, this guy didn't call me back. Sure, okay, my first thought is he doesn't like me, but what else could it be? Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Start to evoke some other lines of thinking and just see where that takes you. Um, and then I always like to rely on support. So I think this is just things I'm running off on top of my head. I don't have, like, an actual mm -hmm. thing. I think if you have a friend that knows that you have that problem, don't overuse it. But maybe you should ask them, like, um, to kind of help you weigh in on something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of you sitting alone trying to think about how much this guy doesn't like you and how to lead to you never being happy in life, right? right. Maybe you should just call in some resources. Yeah, yeah. Call a friend, so they right? can say, oh no, you know, and even if he doesn't too bad, you'll find somebody yeah. else, it's okay, you'll get over it, he doesn't matter anyway, and then you're like, you're right, I right. was thinking about it, I was doing too much. Right, yeah. and then, yeah, and it yeah. incorporates involving other people. Yeah. We do that a lot, I overthink, you overthink, I'm like, girl, 
right. what you think about this. Yeah, yeah. And, and it can be helpful. Like, it you is. know, and then you start to know what friends you have that kind of, or what colleagues, mm-hmm. if it's work related. Yes. Um, yeah. Support you. Yeah. So, what are, or do you have any resources or best resources for seeking medical services? And are there any free or cost efficient resources maybe that you know of? Oh, yeah. So, um, I I haven't I'd love to be on therapy for Black Girls podcast too. Yes, I love I love the work in. she's doing. Yes. Um I think that's an incredible resource particularly for um you know black women yeah. who are looking for a therapist. Um so that's obviously one resource. The other thing you can look up are federally funded health programs. You can just google it. That will be kind of the, you know, quote unquote free mm-hmm. care, you know, you you the thought is kind of you do get what you pay for, right. meaning, you know, these will be doctors who are invested. Like I'm going to spend time working in this type of clinic, but I'm I'm constrained by the limits of the clinic. So I can only see people for 30 minutes. Mm. Right. So I'm kind of limited, although I'm going to do my best to give the same care. Yeah, I'm still limited. But that's a great way to find care right away. Um, if you're in New York City, uh, NYC Well is a is a resource that you can look up, and they have a number that you can text. Mm-hmm. So I would look up whatever like city you're listening from to see what resources they have. Um, and then if you have insurance, insurance also will reimburse you now. Yes. The Obamacare kind of helped roll that out, yeah. where mental health treatment is actually considered important treatment yeah, so that's great yeah they'll reimburse you my insurance re- reimburses like a hundred dollars nice. a session so depending on the type of therapist you're seeing that might end up covering all of it majority of it yeah it? yeah yes tap in girls <laughs> um one question we have two more questions another one how can we help remove the negative stigma surrounding mental health on an individual level um talk about it i think uh you know that is a huge issue within the black community and it affects um, how we access access care. But I think stigma begins by just being honest and talking about it, right? Stigma is this kind of thought that you're alone in it and that if you share this, that somehow you'll be like undesirable or people will think about you differently. But I think if you kind of have these conversations and just make it normal, right? Mm-hmm. People are completely open now to me saying like, gotta go guys, I got therapy, right? Yeah. And it just, it makes it normal. So yeah. I think as an individual, just don't be afraid to share. You may not give every detail, but yeah. like you can share like, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. See what you get back. You'll be surprised. People are so ready to talk. They yeah. are. Yeah. And even social media, as much as social media drags us, yes. it's been such a, a, a space for people to discuss wellness and mental health. It's become more popular, especially with platforms like yours. I mean, yeah, it's normalized. Helping to normalize it. You're doing it. Yeah. yeah I mean, People can tune into my lives. On yes, Ask the lives every Saturday or Sunday are amazing. I be yep. in there. Oh, uh, yes. yes. And we have a good time. Yes, yes. it's we a do. great time. It's, it's a great motivating. time. <laughs> so off the rip, what's your favorite book or do you have a favorite book recommendation? It doesn't have to be psychiatry. It can be anything that makes you feel good, that you think people should read. Yeah. What? I'm going to now show my political views. Okay. My favorite book. <laughs> It's not even funny. It's just like, okay, we'll see how people respond to this. But my favorite book is Revolutionary Suicide by Huey P. Newton. Okay. Okay, It's his his autobiography. I think what I, obviously like the Black Panther Party really did do a lot in terms of social movements for all, like the, you know, free lunches was mm-hmm. something that they've started. Yeah, they yeah, start yeah. so there's a lot of initiatives and there's actually a really great book written by a sociologist. Mm-hmm. Um 
about the Black Panthers and their particular movement. So I just love to learn kind of where he what he was thinking. And he was this person who was initially, you know, not formally educated. And so he shared like what it was like to learn how to read and then to put to put together a book about his life. And then you learn about how he felt it like what he felt it was important to support black people during a time when you know there was absolutely yeah yeah absolutely no right so i i really love that book i find it incredibly inspiring okay tapping in okay yeah. we'll be purchasing so <laughs> so last question first did you watch love is i i don't know okay on probably. own oh i didn't get to watch it okay. i didn't wow. but How I, about insecure yes okay so Oh, here we go. What advice would you have for Molly if she came into your office seeking therapy? What would you tell her? Because we all have things we would tell her. I'd be yelling at my TV like Molly. Particularly when she was dating the the dating issues. Molly and her dating issues. I seen Dro's raggedy ass at a concert one day. And you still hate him, right? She was like, look at Dro, Stan. I was like, he's not Dro right now. She was like, look at Dro standing over there. I'm like, why is Dro here? Fuck, boy. Get out. (laughs) You don't belong. That means he did a good job in his role. Yeah, he did. He did, because he's Dro to me, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess before I answer, just one caveat is most, just so people know about what they get from therapy, um, most most therapists are not going to give you direct advice. Oh, mm. okay. And the reason is because, like, then you start, this is just my thought, like, then you start to become dependent on that relationship yeah. yes. instead of it being, like, you're figuring out. But yeah. you're, you're figuring out together. Right. But you're coming to your own understanding. Yeah. And also, like, again, if I'm, like, do this, this, and this, like, if you do it, you know, kind of like, you know, when you learn something, like it, it feels, yeah, it feels real. Yeah. But I will say what I'm really thinking. Okay. Yeah. But I want to caveat that. Yes. Um, I think I would, I would be interested in Molly's early relationships, like, mm-hmm. you know, which we did learn about her mother and father, right? During yeah. the scene um, where her mother did condone her father's cheating, cheating. behavior. So yeah. I would, as a psychiatrist, I'd be interested in that and helping her to see that mm. connection. But then it also, I think, um, I think she's avoiding probably this feeling of like she has a lot of success professionally, but still not having that kind of relationship that she's looking for. And so she's almost self-sabotaging by choosing a person who's not really available. So that yeah. means she doesn't have to be vulnerable and really see where it goes. And can she be successful in a relationship? And I think she's kind of like avoiding that. Mm. Um, so that's what I would kind of think about in the therapy. But then my like advice, if she were like my homegirl, would yeah, be like, <laughs> chill out. Yeah. Like, let it go. You're playing yourself. Yeah. You're out here looking crazy. Right. Like, crazy meaning like you just look like you're, this is going to blow up in your face. Right. Because right? clearly he's not, this isn't an open relationship. Otherwise, he wouldn't be sneaking around. Right. Like, you're getting played. Mm that would be my homegirl advice but as a therapist we would get to that because we would explore those things and help her see that connection yeah girl child you done read her same (laughs) my 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 okay okay so dr jess tell everybody where they can find you online how to connect with you Tell them your team. Can't tea, wait girl. to the Be Well events come to LA. LA yeah. OMG, maybe you guys can help me we do need, that. Of course. Because I'm girl. one person. I, I have a great team. I definitely have to shout them out. Yes. So people can find me on Instagram, mm-hmm. Ask Dr. Jess. I'm also on Twitter now. So that's a great place to kind of get some of my thoughts about yeah. depression, anxiety. I do a lot of posting about that there. And then my website is askdrjess.com. And if you're a therapist, 
go there. I'm trying to collect information because I have some stuff I want to roll out for yes. people who are looking for therapy um, also. But, yeah, I got to shout out Christina Hammond and Ashley hey, Pineda. Girl. Yeah, we've been kikiing with Christina. She's yeah. a gem. She is a gem. Like, these two women have been incredible in terms of helping me. I'm still a full-time, you know, resident. Yes. I'm a psychiatrist. I see patients. But they're really helping to kind of keep things going. So the this girl group. Yes. You need it. Powerful girl group. Um yes. And yeah, like if people are interested in kind of having me come out, definitely message me. I I try my best to answer people. I tell people I'm I'm available. Like yeah. you know, reach out on social media. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, we'll get a um petition going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to get be well to LA. I spent a lot of time out here. Yes. Yeah. So. Tell everybody about the lives. Oh yeah. So the lives are really cool. That's kind of how it started. Um I do Instagram lives. Every Saturday or Sunday, I'll actually do one while I'm here in L.A. Um, and maybe that could be like in front of an audience. I don't know. But um, it's really just like a 45 minute to one hour kind of. It's not a session like a therapy session, but it is kind of a session yeah. where I pick a topic and we talk about my view a lot of it's practical um and then you know i try to give tips so i've talked about like what to do with toxic spaces recently i was feeling a lot of love so i talked about kind of owning your power love that one yeah yes. i felt good i was really it. intoxicated I'm like, I'm with love in power even more this week yes yes. <laughs> yes so i try to do that i want people to walk away feeling inspired and also like using the comments to kind of engage and i i can see the comments that people put up mm -hmm. during the lives and i see people doing that like this has helped me or she said this or make sure of that so i think it's a great way to just kind of like check in for an hour and get some tools um and work to destigmatize you know this yes. work yes so yeah you guys use dr jess as a resource use her platform as a resource she has tons of great information yes. the lives are awesome we Thank tune you. into the lives um mm -hmm. get your life yes meet tap in you'll be you'll be thankful yes. so again dr jess thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule yes. to speak with uh -huh. us and our audience uh -huh. we appreciate it so much dr jess is also our soror yeah yes. we always talk about our sorority on here so i mean you know thank you ethel yeah thank you yes um tap so in. yeah thank you guys for listening today we hope we'll you enjoyed the episode later. and we'll talk to you next week bye, bye. love you I like to hear the word, girl. Pretty good, girl.